Infirmary Media. In decades, the Matrix and Blade versus Bloodsport and Renegade. Strap on that cap, bust out the power glove. Come fight for what you love. Who coach your popping pins, dropping hand grenades? Van Halen locked in Mortal Kombat with David Gray. Found out ballet in sick. I am made of GNR. Come fight for what you love. Broadcasting from the new Infirmary Media Studios, it's the adult only retro game show where the 80s and 90s do battle because it's your history. We just fight for it. Welcome back to Dueling Decades. I am Mark James, and with me here on commentary this week is the Dueling Decades champion, Man Crush. What's up? I'm just here to scout tonight. We got a newbie, and I'm not here to scout Joe. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not even times. taking on the champ tonight? <laughs> no, come on, man. Hell? You got to work your way up the ladder, man. You can't just come in here and take on the champ. You're taking on a former champ. Yeah. Former you're, champ? You're kind of... Yeah, you're kind of jobbing this one, I think. I don't know. I think I'm leaning towards Joe on this one. I don't even know what you have yet. But, yeah, I'm here. So what else we got? Jeez, thanks for the confidence. (laughs) All right, well, let's meet this week's duelers and the decades they will be fighting for in this week's birthday battle. First off, a newcomer to our show, Dueling with August 26, 1985. That's right. This is Andy Mocker from the Mockers Podcast, and I am here representing my fellow Mockers, and I'm going to take on all comers. I guess I'm not going to take on the champ. I'm going to take on the chump from up north. Let's do battle, my friend. (laughs) And his opponent is a veteran to our program and a former Dueling Decades champion himself. The pride of St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada, and host of the Miscast Commentary Podcast, it's Joe Finley. Let me tell you something mean, Mark. I'm coming back here to stomp over some newbies and get back to Man Crush and get back my title. Okay, I'm done with that because that hurt my throat. Um, (laughs) I'm back. I'm here. I'm here to have some fun, and I am here to crush with my birthday, December 6th, and taking on the year 1992. And as always here on our show, we need someone to adjudicate all of this awesomeness. So let me introduce to you tonight's judge. She is a loyal listener to the show and a trivia leaderboard mainstay. Please rise for Judge Jenna Drolette. Hello, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, the following contest will be held under Dueling Decades rules. A judge's coin flip shall decide who picks first out of the five Dueling Decades categories. Movies, television, music, news, and hot products. A judge's ruling will determine who wins each round, allowing the victor to choose the next available category. The first three rounds are worth one point each, with rounds four and five worth two points apiece. And... The winning decade shall be decided by the highest overall score after all five rounds. Oh, snap, duelers. It's time for more Dueling Decades. (laughs) Before we get into all this, let me just ask you two, how old were you on this birth date? 11. 1985, I was nine years old. All right, so nine and 11. That makes a big difference with the picks, I think, having done one of these episodes before. And Mark kind of threw you to the wolves there, Jenna, but congratulations. You are really the first guest that we had no idea who you are coming on the show as a loyal listener just to do one of these uh, judge sessions. 
just jumping right into the madness. Yeah, so seriously, you could say whatever you want. <laughs> like You're on the show. Eric did this twice now, and he got a little better the second time around. It takes a little bit of practice, but whatever's on your mind during these picks, just say it. Let these guys have it. They're shit. Tell them they're shit. If they're good, tell them they're good. But All let's right. see where it goes from there. So let's go down to the judge, Jenna, for the official toss-off. All right, so... What do you got? I'd, like, every week I've, I've listened. Like, you guys always have an interesting item to flip. So as a, as a guest judge, Jenna, are you going to carry on the tradition? I sure am. I've got here a genuine Pog Slammer nice. with this really cool 3D holographic skull on it. All right. Which one's heads and which one's tails? The skull is a head, so I would think. <laughs> that makes sense, I guess. Oh, oh. Oh, man Duh, man crush. Yeah, you got owned. Gosh. <laughs> She's doing very well so far. Uh, Presiding over your idiotness. I'll, I'll, let the, I'll let the rookie call this one in the air. Oh, thanks, man. I will, uh, I will call uh, skull. Skull side up. All right. You know that's heads, right? That's heads. <laughs> oh. Just making sure you knew. All right. So I can't guarantee that I won't drop it, but here we go. Oh, that was a mighty flip. Oh. It, oh, she dropped it. I dropped it. it, but you saw it. It was a skull. Yes. <laughs> so, Andy, you have control of the board. What category would you like to select for our first one-point round? Well, you know what? Since uh, the the earlier rounds have less point value, I'm going to select television as I feel due to my birth date and it being 1985 where there was really only three major networks pumping out new series that started a month later. I'm going to go uh, TV. All right. So uh, in the research that I did, uh, the top 10 TV shows of that week highlighted, not surprisingly, by Cliff Huxtable and The Cosby Show. In a repeat, I do have to say, in, in full disclosure to the court, I could not find like completely accurate like Nielsen ratings, like the rating and the share. But these were all reruns. Uh, Family Ties was second in a trend that... Uh, that uh, star Michael J. Fox, just some uh, foreshadowing maybe to a later category. Let's remember his name. Uh, Kate and Allie. You guys ever watch that show? No. Yeah. No. I don't remember anything <laughs> no. about that one. I remember the name. Never watched it. Uh, New Heart came in at number four. Miami Vice at number five. Cheers at number six. Mark, I know. I still have fond <laughs> memories of uh, you and I enjoying the uh, George Went panel discussion oh, a couple of years ago at the at the rhode island comic-con jenna in the hometown or the home state of our judge our dizzle <laughs> that fucking moderator was desperate to have george <laughs> went drink a beer with him during <laughs> the moderation and george went like would not do it he kept shutting him down uh, shot him down <laughs> Because it wasn't a normal beer. It was this guy was a beer rep, and it was his brand yeah, of like, beer. Please, George, will you drink this Newport Castle Ale right. IPA? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "No, fuck off." <laughs> anyway, uh, one thing I did, I actually did find ratings for one set of programs, and that was the evening news. And that's something that I kind of wanted to remark on because obviously this was the CBS News with Dan Rather. Although at the end of the week that I was monitoring, he was actually out ill. Yeah, ill at the end of the summer. Sure, Dan, probably <laughs> calling in sick to go vacation somewhere. But uh, World News Tonight with Peter Jennings. Now, these ratings were just 
astronomical, like compared to what these uh, new shows now, like the the share was 59%. So 60% of TVs that were on in America at 6.30 to 7 were watching a nightly news program. Like that, that boggles my mind anyway, but that's just the that comparison back to 1985 to present day. I found that very interesting. Uh, one final note, there was one new show. CBS decided to push out their show Hometown <laughs> a bit early in front of the fall season. Uh, it was kind of a show. It was actually filmed in Rye, New York, and it was patterned after the big chill. It was about a bunch of friends coming back together in their 30s. The one casting note, Daniel Stern played his first schlub. His first of many <laughs> schlubs. He played a guy named Joey Nathan, and... At one point, the one plot point that I read, he had a son and he wasn't with the mom and the mom came with like a DNA test and the guy was such a schlub, she wanted him to take a DNA test so to prove that he actually wasn't the father of her child. <laughs> so Daniel Stern, um, and actually CBS put it out early because they wanted it to get a head start on the time slot, but it did so poorly. They actually moved it out of its fall time slot before the fall TV season even started. I like how you're really selling up your pick there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought uh, it, it really was interesting, though, to look back, because like now like shows kind of start all over the place. There's almost like three or four different seasons, and that was obviously back in the time when, you know what, you just waited until September for the new shows No to baseball playoffs? On August 26th? Oh, August 26th. I'm fucking up all over the place. Shut up. (laughs) Sorry. I'm thinking it's October. Yellow card. Yellow card. I'm a fly on the wall. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Sorry. That probably took too long. (laughs) Feel free to edit me down. We'll do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You're not going to edit one goddamn word out of what I say. Here we go. This guy's like a bulldog. Oh, you have no idea. (laughs) Uh, i never seen this side of joe i like it because i'm coming back for you baby that sounds weird but all right (laughs) yeah uh so yeah december the week of december 6th 1992 the top 10 shows of the week uh number 10 was uh, special to grandmother's house we go uh interesting little fact about that that was the first ever movie starring the olsen twins and led them Mm -hmm. to their billion dollar franchise uh, there was a tie at number eight, Murphy Brown and Full House tied. Uh, number seven was a televised uh, airing of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Number six was a show called Man Upstairs. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, number five was Coach. Nice. Yeah, right. Coach, he's still in it. <laughs> Dauber, where are you at? Bill Foggerbachy. The best man. <laughs> uh, number four, Home Improvement. Number three was 60 Minutes. Number two was a interesting one I had to look up because I didn't even know what I didn't remember what it was. It was Jackie Thomas, which was a show starring Tom Arnold uh, in his height, just coming off of the show that was number one, Roseanne. Oh, man. Wow. I cannot believe that was two. Yeah, I know, right? I think wow. it was just hot for that week. I don't know if it was new. <laughs> was that like its premiere? Yeah. Maybe I don't think it was its premiere. premiere. I think it premiered. I think it premiered in September, but I, I don't know. There must have been something up with it. Yeah, they had. Christmas they were giving away a million dollars to people who watched it. <laughs> and they never did give away that million dollars because yeah. nobody watched it. <laughs> yeah. Yet still number two. Um, but December sixth had an interesting one, uh, a primetime special. It was it's a wonderful Tiny Toons Christmas special. It featured uh, voice cameos by Bob Hope, Cher, William Shatner, Jason Priestley, Madonna, 
Whoopi Goldberg, Billy Crystal, Robin Williams, and the executive producer of the show, Steven Spielberg. And most importantly, it served as the series finale of the show. A classic what? amongst the ni- early 90s cartoons. Your birthday got the series finale of Tiny Toons? Which That's was bullshit. a primetime Christmas special. Also the number two highest rated thing of the night. Which is great for a cartoon that never aired it in the evening. See, that, this, there's strategy here because... Obviously, Andy just threw the shit out the window, and you just wasted a two-pointer. Very well done. Well done to the rook. <laughs> oh, who knows? I'm not the judge, though. Let's see what, what uh, Jenna says here. Yeah, I think, you know, gives a shit about Tiny Tunes. We're talking news, you know? <laughs> yeah. Just think how much better the news would be if they were only getting it from three sources, unbiased, rather, Jennings, Brokaw. I mean... But you didn't deliver any news, Kenneth. <laughs> What do you mean? <laughs> you didn't tell us anything that happened that night. Well, we're getting to that, and later on, we're not in the news category yet. Oh, man. You, you, we're just in the TV right, let's, category. Let's just see. Let's see what the judge has to say. <laughs> yeah, let's see what the judge has to say. Down to judge, Jenna Drolette. Okay, so Andy's saying that, uh, what was it, 60% of television 60%. Was the news? 60% of households were watching. Yeah, so three out of five households were watching news, and the other two were watching the Jeopardy or something. I mean, this is pretty funny because uh, when I was growing up, um, 60% of my uh, after-dinner television time was the news because my dad would watch the news. And then my weekend television time, because we only had one TV in the house, was Tiny Toons. So, holy smokes! What am wow. I going to do here? Uh, <laughs> go with the one that go... was forced on you, or the one that you chose? Right, exactly. Um, so I'm going to have to go with the '90s here. All right, Joe gets the round and one point and control of the board. Daniel Stern is <laughs> schlubbing it. Yeah. If only it was the only time he played a schlub, he would have really. Really well, that's what him. I was saying. That might have been his first schlub, though. He did it so well, it created a whole career of schlubbed him. Just typecast it <laughs> after that. <laughs> schlubbed him. That's a t-shirt. All right. Well, I'm so intrigued by what your news could possibly be. I think that that should be our next round. <laughs> oh, man. All right. What a segue. Oh, Here yeah. we go. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm starting this off this time, baby. Man Crush, you always complain that... I deliver bad news when I'm on this yeah, show. Yeah, pretty much. And I made the point the last time I did a birthday episode that nothing good has ever happened on my birthday. Well, let's go another round of that. Uh- <laughs> I want to get some more South Africa updates. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I want to know how far along we are in the process of Nelson- abolishing apartheid. Oh, yeah. Nelson Mandela keeps coming up, man. We're getting into some more stuff. Um, one, which is actually, which is actually a little uh, prescient right now, is uh, the New York Times on this day reported that members of the State Department on the uh, behalf of George Bush had been digging into Bill Clinton for to find dirt uh, during their campaign for pre- the presidency. Uh, it what? all came out in December. They were searching into his passports to find out if he had applied for a citizenship in the UK to avoid the draft. Republicans don't do that. They do not. And <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, this was just an interesting thing. This was the day that it was disclosed. It ended up leading to the dismissal of uh, Elizabeth Tramp or Tamposi, who was the Assistant Secretary of State for Consular Affairs. Uh, also, Stephen Monahan, who was an aide, uh, which was hit, which was her. Is aide. anyone still away? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were coming out with a decent news story. Jeez. No, we gotta. I gotta start. I gotta start. But it's just. I, I'm just saying. It's just bummers. They just shit canned a bunch of jobbers, dude. Nobody cares about any of those people. It's just a bunch of bummer stuff. But uh, anyways, so yeah, this was all uncovered after um, Clinton had already won the presidency. But he did. But just another interesting example of a uh, Republican Party digging for dirt and looking w- uh, looking to foreign powers to uh find a little dirt on their opponents um but yeah this next one was a little bit more of a devastating one this uh i take, <laughs> I take you to india <laughs> what did the head janitor get fired in this one no not in this one <laughs> no a couple thousand people died in this one uh, uh no the demolition of the babri masjid mosque in india uh what a hundred and fifty thousand volunteers gathered on December sixth to protest to allow for Hindus to build a shrine to Rama on the land where this mosque was. The protest got out of control, uh, and literally the hundred and fifty thousand people overtook the police, climbed the mosque, and tore it to the ground within hours. Uh it then led to months worth of intercommunal uh, riots between Hindus and Muslims. Uh, a total of 2,000 people died, uh, nearly $4 billion in damage total. And uh, it destroyed the face of India as a peaceful nation at that time. Since then, has put a real smudge on uh, their treatment of their own Muslim population. And to this day, uh, actually, as near, as recently as last year, the uh, Baharichia uh, Janata Party, who actually started all of this, started things back up with the Muslims <laughs> trying to recreate this divide. <laughs> Joe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little secret here. There's a reason I'm the champion, because I never yep. bring some shit like that. Like, I look for I happy news. Do me a favor. No, do me a favor. <laughs> Put down the words news, December 6, 1992. For the next 20 pages, I'll find something. you will only find this story. It was the biggest story of that time. Even in Canadian news? <laughs> in all old news. Like nobody got stabbed or anything at a Tim Hortons? <laughs> <laughs> all I got to say is probably a lot of people don't know this, but Rick Mancrush and I... Like, start. We were podcasting together years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And if you were to like flash forward to when we were first podcasting, Man Crush, yeah. and like we were to to see ourselves podcasting <laughs> with Joe up there and what he's talking about, like you and I would have looked at each other and been like, "No fucking way!" So. <laughs> Like, you've come a long way, man. This is cool. You've really come a long way since the days of the original days of poop culture. So, anyway. All right. With that said, Andy, let's see what you got. Over to you, man. I hate to to continue to, to bring us down, but there is one. The first news bit I have is about AIDS. But... There's also another side effect to this because I my first I first heard of this story back like when I was in probably middle school during health class and I'm assuming maybe some el- some of you guys also saw the Ryan White story. Oh yeah, during health class the uh, 
13 year old who had AIDS. He was a hemophiliac, so he contracted AIDS through a tainted blood transfusion. Yeah, this got us out. This got me out of a couple health classes. The movie was pretty good. It had a Lucas Haas, Judith Light played his mom, TV staple of the 80s, George C. Scott, I think, played the lawyer. But anyway, on August 26th, 1985, Ryan White, who was barred from his high school because he had AIDS and back in the mid 80s, no one, you know, AIDS was, uh, it's like you had leprosy. You weren't allowed to, to go anywhere. You had to walk around in a plastic bubble almost. So they wouldn't let him go to school, but they did let him call into his classes. And I do remember a scene in that movie where he was trying to call in and the speed, you know, be in the mid 80s, technology was backwards. Right. And he, he was having a, a huge problem calling in. And yeah, Judith Light had to come in and console him, I think. So anyway, that happened in uh, on August 26, 1985. My second item, I don't know if you know this, but August 26th is Women's Equality Day. And so in my research, I noticed a holiday that is associated with Women's Equality Day. And it's called Go Topless Day. This is held <laughs> the Sunday... Of the previous August 26th, I guess in 1985, August 26th was a Monday. Go Topless Day was held on that Sunday before. It was invented by uh, a guy named Claude Verahoon, who I guess is also the leader of the Raelian movement, which is like some sort of weird UFO religion. But his theory is that since men are allowed to go topless, well, then gosh darn it, women should be allowed to go topless too. So on Topless Day, women go topless. And as a show of support, men actually wear, like, bikinis or tops. I mean, actually, this is a holiday I could get behind because you guys know I've been ridiculed for my man boobs for years. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't usually go topless anyway, so I would appreciate maybe wearing a bikini. Women going topless is actually legal in the province of Ontario, so that's not even news here. <laughs> I think Go Topless Day is just an American holiday. What are they, the Ramalans? What's his religion? The Raelian movement. I guess that's as good as a 150,000 person riot. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, there you go. I got, yeah, I got some uh, Ryan White, the uh, poor little AIDS kid, and then go topless day. All right. Down to judge Jenna Drolette for the verdict for round two. Um, well, this is, uh, this is really shitty. (laughs) (laughs) I have to pick between a kid with AIDS (laughs) Uh, oh, but he was calling into a school he was learning and it's just a movie about a kid with aids that's not right? even news it's not even no the no no, kid no. With I, AIDS. I, I, no on on the date in 1985 that was the day that he called into the school like that was when he tried to call into school for his classes that i found that on the same site that joe found his so i'm, I'm just that just triggered the memory of the ryan white story yeah, you know, oh, like I, I can't just. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, I, I'm not used to this lawyer, and I didn't practice earlier. Obviously. So yeah. I mean, still though, really uh, popular politic story, something that you hear about all the time, and then like a bunch of people fighting in India versus the kid with AIDS and a fake holiday. Well, it's not fake to the Ramalans, <laughs> the millions. That's a, just a matter of perspective. <laughs> there are literally dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. I'm really going to think about this one. 
I, I, I really just don't know what to pick. I guess I'm going to go with the 80s here. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, interesting. Right. Because. Yeah, let's hear it. Why? Why, why the 80s? Well, uh, so. She doesn't want to pick boring, depressing <laughs> shit. Yeah. No, just AIDS kid makes phone call. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I had slim pickings. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> and I kind of like can relate a little bit to the watching the AIDS movies in school and being scared about like getting ostracized for magically contracting this disease because I didn't understand it when I was younger. Uh, so I think from the 80s all the way up through the 90s, kids were watching videos like that in school. So that's the only thing I can relate to. Can't uh, really relate to the second thing. The topless story. Well, the, well, you probably just, uh, yeah, it's not a well-known holiday, but now that you know when it is, maybe you can find your local Raelian chapter Raelian, that's it. And, you know, decide to participate. Now, you know, knowing is half the battle. With all seven of them. I mean, the logic is sound. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So Andy takes that round. All right. The topless Romulans. Great. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, I'm going to choose music Ooh. for the next one, because 80s music, yeah. All right, this is our final one-point round. All right, yeah, 80s music, I have to admit, even ba- even at the eight, like back in 1985, was not a huge music listener. Like, going way down in the charts, probably the album that I might have been listening to was actually a number 57, Weird Al Yankovic, Dare to be Stupid. Top 10 albums, number 10, Rat. Invasion of Your Privacy. Jenna, have you ever heard a rat song before? Hell yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Number nine, Billy Joel, Greatest Hits 1 and 2. That's got to be one of the greatest selling records of all time. Eight, Power Station. Can't say I'm that familiar with Power Station. Does anyone know of a Power Station song? Yeah. Can you sing it for me? And then I'll know it yeah. probably, right? Do it. Just do it. Like the chorus. How's it go? Well, first of all, I'm just going to say the oh, name lame. of the song, and uh, you're going to know it right off the bat. Maybe. I'm pretty ignorant. Yeah. What if I said, uh, some like it hot? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, okay. No, I know that. Maybe. Okay. But- you know that song. <laughs> I still want to hear you sing it, though. At least the chorus. Some like it hot. Some like it hot. <laughs> some like it hot. <laughs> and they also did a cover of T-Rex's Bang the Gong. That was kind uh, of a, uh, a, their first pseudo hit. You know what's awesome about Some Like It Hot? Isn't that that scene where Rusty's just slapping on his cassette player in the train? Where he's da- he's dreaming that he's like... In European yeah, vacation. Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> love that fucking scene. I thought you were going to uh, say like the killer percussion in the beginning, but... <laughs> no. All right. No. <laughs> uh, come on, I'm trying to get through these charts, and you, you guys uh, are... Sorry, uh, well, di- you, can move, you know, move you're faster, digressing. <laughs> Number seven, Motley Crue, Theater of Pain, another hair band in the top ten. Number six, Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA, still in the top ten. That album was actually released June of 1984, still hanging around in the top ten. I mean, obviously, that was a huge, huge record. Uh, number five, Dire Straits. I think you actually had it the top of your, maybe you had the coaches poll and I had the AP. I don't know, man, crush. Number four, Phil Collins. Number three, Sting, The Dream of the Blue Turtles, like that album. Like, did anyone listen to that? I guess. I guess it was number three at the time, but that had to have been terrible. Number two, Brian Adams, solid 80s 
veteran. And number one, I had Tears for Fears, Songs from the Big Chair, featuring Shout, Shout, Let It All Out, and Everybody Wants to Extra Points. The world. Yes. yes. There we go. <laughs> See, right, I'm not uh, playing, so I ain't singing. <laughs> Screw that. Uh, number one single of the week. That's the power of love. Uh, Huey Lewis and the News featured in uh, Back to the Future, which again might come up in the future, future, future. And like I said, I I didn't really have any personal connection to any of these records because I didn't really listen to a lot of music back when I was a little nine-year-old mocker. So. Now, did you have a release of anything? Uh, well, the the big debut that I saw, at least the debut, maybe it was the single or maybe it was the album, was uh, the Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome soundtrack, mm. which had, obviously had a lot of Tina Turner, yeah. a little, uh, we don't need another hero, hero. Another song with really good percussion in it, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember the music video where like she's in the video as the character. Yes. Like Auntie Entity, and she's like bouncing all around, singing how, around. How I also was watched she? the video. Bouncing around, <laughs> singing around. She had those big like earrings going on. I can I know picture it's a it. No, I can picture see it. Me. I remember the whole scene. You just put it together beautifully. <laughs> Thanks, man. Crush. I also watched the video for Corey Hart's Never Surrender, and that was epic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you had I just want to make clear, um, as a listener here, what's your what's your actual pick there? Like my pick? Yeah. Pick? What, what, which know, I debut the... are you going with? That soundtrack? That's it. It's that soundtrack? Yeah, I guess. Okay, because I, I, I don't know where Corey Hart to... came from. I was, is that from the soundtrack? Well, that, no, that was uh, he was in a top 10 single that week. Oh, all right. So I was oh, just man. doing some investigating. <laughs> all right. I had to get it straight in my head. So you got the sound, Mad Max soundtrack, and then your top 10 is pretty damn impressive, but that's just from me. All right, let's head north of the border to Joe. What do you got, man? All righty. Well, let's get into my top 10 LPs. We got R.E.M., Automatic for the People, at number 10. There are some ones in here that are going to make me want to punch faces, but there are some other ones that are make me good, that are good. Uh, number nine was Kenny G's Breathless. Sade and Love Deluxe was number good eight. One. George Strait, Pure Country Soundtrack, was number seven. Billy Ray Cyrus, Some Gave All, is number six. Number five was a great one, Eric Clapton Unplugged. Uh, number four is Michael Bolton's Timeless. Number Why seven. Should I change my name? He's the one who sucks. <laughs> uh, Garth Brooks and the Chase. So number three, the Bodyguard soundtrack by Whitney Houston <laughs> was number two. Oh, wow, epic! And number one was Ice Cube, The Predator. <laughs> oh, solid. Okay, um, I've actually got my top ten singles here. I'm just gonna spout them off just because they're funny. Uh, some were good, but uh, number 10 was Boys to Men, End of the Road. Nine was TLC, What About Your Friends? Bobby Brown, Good Enough was number eight. Number seven is Mary J. Blyde with Real Love. Number six with Snap and Rhythm is a Dancer. <laughs> it's a form of PM Dawn's I Die Without You yes, was on, it was song. number five. Uh, that was the second song of two uh, from the Boomerang soundtrack in this top 10. A TV, fake TV band, The Heights, How Do You Talk to an Angel, number four. <laughs> That's a good song. It's not though. fake, man. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Forever. Rex and Effects, Rump Shaker was number three. Shies, If I Ever Fall in Love, number two. And number one is actually also my pick, was Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. 
And the reason it's my pick, it was not released this day, but this is the day that it set the record for becoming the best-selling single in a week. It beat Brian Adams' Everything I Do, I Do It For You. It sold 400,000 copies in one week. Man, I would say I, Robin Hood is better than The Bodyguard, though. The uh, It was the uh, Billboard Music Award for hot, uh, number one Hot 100 single. It had the most weeks of no, at number one in 92 with 14 weeks. It actually carried into 93. It was obviously written by Dolly Parton. It was supposed to actually, uh, the song was never supposed to be even in the soundtrack. It was supposed to be Jimmy Ruffin's What Becomes the Broken Hearted. But it ended up getting changed because that song ended up being used in Fried Green Tomatoes. <laughs> oh, man. Too bad for that song. <laughs> <laughs> and then it won the American Music Award for Best Pop Rock Song and Best Soul R&B Song in the same day. Yeah, but did it have a little bit of this? And did it have the earrings? Did it have the Tina Turner earrings? Man, soundtrack for soundtrack. I like where this is going. All right, let's go down for the judgment. Oh, man. So I like the 80s top 10 way better than the 90s top 10. But the 90s soundtrack pick, uh, Whitney's I Will Always Love You, is pretty iconic um i can see where this is going <laughs> but uh oh. i am a very counterculture person so i'm gonna go with the 80s wow. Oh, oh wow wow she just john crossed you Wow. <laughs> That's the John double cross oh, right there. Oh, boy. Good wow. Lord. Fantastic. Ooh. All right, so that means Andy's up two to one and has control of the board heading in to the two-point rounds. What category do you want next, man? Wow, this is where the rubber really hits the road here on Dueling Decades. I am going to go with movies. Whoa. All right, I thought you were going to save that one. I did too, man. Well, they're both worth two, right? They're both worth two points from here on out, so. Yeah. Yep. He's confident. He's doing Let's it. Let's just get it on. Uh, August 26, 1985. 1985, a year uh, at the movies that was early on dominated by Eddie Murphy at Beverly Hills Cop. Police Academy 2 actually was number one for four weeks. Like, that was weird to see, like, in the, the weekly listing. Uh, the summer, saw Big Bird enter the fray with a follow that bird. Uh, but during my week, uh, as I said, I was born on August 26th, August 26th, 1985, the number one movie in the country, Back to the Future, MJF, Michael J. Fox, taking it back to an earlier birthday episode. I believe, Man Crush, you posited Secret of My Success. I did. As a Michael J. Fox movie. So these birthday episodes, it all comes back to the 80s iconic television star. And of course, Back to the Future propelled him to movie stardom. To the point where he not only had the number one movie of the week, he had the number two movie of the week, Teen Wolf. A movie which I say is a hell of a lot better than uh, Secret of My Success. <laughs> and uh, a movie that I enjoyed, like, of course, uh, Michael J. Fox played Scott Howard, who, unfortunately for him, was given his family curse of turning into a werewolf. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Come on, who hasn't seen Teen Wolf? 80s classic. It's got the great <laughs> song from uh, Mark Saffin. Win in the end during the uh, yes. basketball montage. Everybody wants to win in the end. <laughs> That's why this show is awesome because you're never gonna. Nobody knows who sings that song. 
Now we do. <laughs> well, I got to gotta think, yeah, Wikipedia, obviously, for that one. Um, but Teen Wolf actually made uh, like almost $10 million, I think, during that week. It obviously was second to Back to the Future. The number three movie was Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which came out early in August. Number four, Volunteers, the Tom Hanks and John Candy movie where they, uh, I think, joined the Peace Corps or something. So top five uh, really dominated by comedy. Number five, Year of the Dragon. Oh, yeah. Good one. Who was that about? Bruce Lee? That was like the Bruce Lee story. I right? don't know. I just figured I'd say good one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if it was the last dragon, then it would be a fucking awesome one. But it was the year of the dragon. I don't know. Yeah. Number seven, Summer Rental. That was a, I watched that a lot as a kid. Always remember Richard Crenna yelling to, to John Candy, Renter, get out of here, Renter. <laughs> <laughs> can't go wrong with anything John Candy. He just really can't. And uh, interesting enough, Ghostbusters came out for a re-release this week wound up number eight in the charts it really seemed to me that it only got re-released because beverly hills cop had nudged it out at the box office in its run and i think the studio wanted to put ghostbusters out just so they could tout it as like the year's best comedy or the decade's best comedy or something but uh yeah back to the future was number one for 11 weeks that summer which i mean holy shit that's kind of weird to think about a movie hardly ever stays nine more on top yeah for yeah. that long so that was interesting. It was number one for three weeks. A non-superhero movie. I don't even count those anymore. So it was number one its first three weeks out, and then it got nudged out by a comedy sequel that has already been alluded to in this podcast. If anyone wants to take a quick guess. Mad Max? <laughs> no. <laughs> Secret of my success. <laughs> uh, excuse me. Get choked up talking about European vacation. Yes. <laughs> that took the number one slot for a week people had enough of the griswolds they vaulted back to the future back up for i think eight more weeks before chuck norris and invasion usa hell yeah <laughs> uh, kicked it out early in september blowing shit up matt hunter hero of the people <laughs> one other movie note macaulay culkin born on august 26th um, not in 1985 and uh, 1980, so I guess maybe that doesn't count either. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, well. like no, well, you know what? It was Macaulay Culkin's fifth birthday in 1985. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it was a day he called school. <laughs> well, he tried to call school, couldn't get through, so he booby trapped the whole school. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, I do remember seeing Back to the Future in the theater. I mean, classic fucking movie. Classic movie. So Yeah. I do just point out that Back to the Future come out came out in July. Yeah, but it was the number <laughs> one. Oh all right. Well I yeah, all right. Sorry. Oh yeah. Did okay. you give a debut? What was your debut? Teen Wolf was the big release that week. Ah, okay. Teen Wolf. So he's got Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. And this top 10. All right. You got to sell it like that. Well, Sounds much my, better. I'm a newbie. Fucking, I'm a newbie man. Crush. You fish. We should chant fish when you come in, like, in that Jean-Claude like, Van Damme movie. Not like movie. the fucking band, right? No, 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 not the fucking... Please, for fuck's sake, no. Hey, man. All right. Oh, sorry. Joe Findlay, what do you have? All right. Um, so my top 10, uh, just a little bit about it. Uh, the one number one and number two movie of the year were on this top 10 list. Uh, a total of 19 Oscar nominations, seven wins amongst these 10 movies. Uh, number 10, Last of the Mohicans. 
Number eight, get into some sweet Steven Seagal in Under Siege. <laughs> Number eight is the dreamy Brad Pitt in A River Runs Through It. Passenger 57 is number seven. Always bet on black. I was waiting for it. <laughs> you can't say it without uh, saying that. No. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, number six. Mm. The Spike Lee joint Malcolm X, number five. The Eddie Murphy movie, The Distinguished Gentleman, number four. Love nice. that movie. The number one movie of 1992, Aladdin, was at number three this week. The Bodyguard was number two. And happy fifth birthday to him for your year. But Macaulay Culkin, Home, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, was the number one movie of this weekend. Oh, shit. I saw that in God. the theater. That's ass crap. <laughs> and uh, my debut was actually the Los Angeles premiere of Chaplin. And Chaplin, uh, big movie for Robert Downey Jr. He was Starring nominated Iron for... Man. Yeah, nominated for every... <laughs> Uh, major acting award, Oscar Golden Globe. He won the BAFTA award for it. Most sober. Yeah. <laughs> Huge uh, cast uh, with Robert Downey Jr., Anthony Hopkins, Dan Aykroyd, Marissa Tomei, Kevin Klein, Mila Jovovich. Did anyone actually see Chaplin? Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna, have you ever seen Chaplin? Nope. <laughs> did you even know there was such a movie called Chaplin? I did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We all heard of it. It's kind of like Last of Mohegans. I can't watch movies that are over three hours, so I've never seen it. <laughs> it's more than three hours? Uh, isn't it that yeah. long? It's like something ridiculously long. I would never see a movie that it long. Is a, it is a long movie. That is, this is quite it. the contrast. Chaplin versus Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Both had really good facial hair. <laughs> all right, let's go to the judge. We, we don't want to swear. Oh, man. So I liked the 90s top 10 better than the 80s top 10. But, Joe, what was your... Um, uh, so Chaplin was your pick, right? Yeah. <laughs> she just had a face like, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's what was that? It was that or the distinguished gentleman. Those were my two options. Oh, man. <sighs> Jeez. Um, you know... She's trying to keep you in this game, but I don't think yeah, it's going to happen right here. Yeah. I think <laughs> I if you would pick this, st- and I will say, if you pick distinguished gentleman, I think she would probably give you some pity points. But <laughs> mm, I'm going to go with the '80s. Deal yes. with it. Oh, oh. Wow. Yes. All right, you know what that means, wow. duelers. The new fish has uh, pulled out a victory on this episode, but we're going to continue on to the final round. I think the last episode I listened to with Joe, he was drawn dead in the last round. So I guess this must be a trend. <laughs> of course, that was that was many episodes. I think that was like episode seven was the last birthday bash. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine how many titles you have reclaimed since then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the fish is coming down hard. Yo, we got to get the uh, that chant from... Uh, what the hell movie is it? Sudden Impact? The Jean-Claude Van Damme movie where uh, he goes to jail and as he's coming in, all the inmates are chanting fish. <laughs> we have to have that for Andy. That's going to be his nickname on the show now. Andy Fish Piak. All right. Well, I'm going to let's yeah, let's get I'll get through these sports really quick. In fact, you know what? I'm going to pass this first round to my good friend Joe in Canada so I can take care of my beagle. I will be right back. 
All right, Andy defers on the final so, round, even though he's won the game. <laughs> over to Joe. What a gentleman. What a dick. What a what? dick move. <laughs> it's okay. He'll he'll always have the asterisk of AIDS boy who failed to make a phone call beating a <laughs> beating a massive political scandal. Oh. Hey, I've had it happen to me. Gigantic <laughs> asterisk. But anyways, so we'll go ahead with me. Um, we're going to actually go to off-season baseball to start, but this is the day where Barry Bonds becomes the highest-paid player in MLB history when he signs a six-year, $43 million deal. Just think about that. Think about how big deals are now. But back then, uh, six-year, $43 million contract with the Giants leaving the Pirates. Uh, this is coming off his second NL MVP award in three years. And uh, just a little bit of irony, he was almost traded to the Braves during the previous season, and it ended up falling through. The G uh, the GM shut it down. No, not the GM. The owner shut it down. And uh, then he ends up leaving them anyways for a very lucrative contract. So Barry Bonds, highest paid player in the MLB. Also on December 6th, Jerry Rice catches his 101st touchdown against the Miami Dolphins. And why is that important? Because he beat the record for most touchdowns from a wide receiver ever. Uh, he beat Steve Largent's record. But the interesting thing was it only took Jerry Rice eight seasons to get there. It took Largent 14 seasons to get his 100. Uh, Rice is still the all-time leader in touchdown receptions. He, he sits at 197. But it is a very small number of people who ever topped the 100 touchdown mark. Yeah, for sure. That that whole contract thing, just to put that in perspective, Bryce Harper's deal that just signed this past offseason, 13 years, $330 million. It's wow. bananas. That's absurd. What are you again, 92? 92, yeah. Good God, what a difference. But that's even a, that's a massive contract. I remember when the uh, the Mets gave Benia that initial five year twenty five million dollar deal, and it was insane. And then of course they're still paying Bobby Benia because the guy's got a Andy would know it's like a twenty year contract for a million dollars a year. What's Benia's contract again? Oh, I think they have to pay him like three million, right? Oh, it's three million a year. I thought or it was one million, million and a half. I don't know, but a lot a lot of teams do that though. Like the Braves still pay Bruce Suter. No shit. Are you serious? He's still alive? <laughs> yes. Like, a lot of teams have, though. Like, the Nationals do that, too. It's just everyone makes fun of the Benia contract, but... And not saying that they shouldn't, but... <laughs> Come on. All right, that it's was just Mets. filler. But go ahead. All right, so Joe latest picks on... What do you got? Uh, I went back to the... Uh, what was on the Sports Illustrated cover of the week of my birthday in 1985, and it actually kind of mirrors current NFL history... Because there was a quarterback of the Cleveland Browns on the cover of Sports Illustrated, Man Crush. Do you know who that was? Bernie Kosar? You got it. Yeah, that nice sidearm delivery. Uh, Cleveland pins its hopes on Bernie Kosar's million-dollar arm. And they actually won the AFC Central that year with an 8-8 eight eight record. But they blew a 21-3 lead to the uh, Dolphins in the divisional round. I know this is nowhere near my birthday, but I'd like following arcane stats uh the week before man crush our jets lost to the patriots in the wild card round back in 85 i don't know Shocker. if you do you remember you might be too young to even remember that game i do ken o'brien took a lot of sacks jets were 11 and 5 that year which yeah. is one of their best records ever and of course they can't even get they can't win the division cuz the dolphins had dan marino and were good 
And yeah, the Patriots beat them. And then they, of course, ended up going to the Super Bowl. So some things never fucking change. Um, uh, speaking of never changing, Jim Beheim, coach of the Syracuse University basketball team back in 1985 on my birthday, as he's been, I think, for every one of my birthdays. So I also chose a Major League Baseball game featuring my favorite team, the New York Mets. And they took on the Los Angeles Dodgers and Fernando Valenzuela. Fernando Mania, which took over baseball in 1981, I believe. So this is a few <laughs> yeah. this is a few years later in 1985, and Fernando Valenzuela threw a complete game. How about that? A complete game, man. Against the Mets. Well, 1985, the Mets had a really, really good team. Uh, they actually did pound out 10 hits against Fernando, but just couldn't get the, couldn't get, no, they were all singles, no extra base hits. Here's another contrast to today's game where all you pretty much see are home runs and strikeouts and walks. Between combined, the two teams had 23 hits, only two extra base hits, two doubles, everything else, singles. So game only took two hours and 47 minutes. I can't stand these baseball playoffs. They take way, way too long to wrap up. Anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Um, so anyway, Fernando Valenzuela still has the Fernando magic shut down the Mets that day. And that combined with uh, Bernie Kosar. So I'm, I'm pretty happy that I have a little cushion here in uh, the sports category because it's not that great. Let me ask you both a question here. Did either yeah. one of you plan to have this in the two point rounds? I did. You did? I didn't think I didn't think that he'd have anything to beat it. Yeah, I guess so. For a single, wow. day, yeah, for a single day. Uh, I might have tried harder to persuade too, but you know, I already won, yeah. so yeah, I'll take it easy. <laughs> well, let's see what Jenna thinks. Over to Judge Jenna Drolette for the final verdict. So uh, I don't know shit about sports. <laughs> you just everything you said. Yeah, I know Barry Bonds and um, Jerry Rice. No Fernando Valenzuela. And the name sounds familiar, but I am just, I was like five months old when that happened. So uh, I don't really remember any of that. Everything sports related is like in one ear and out the other. And if anything sticks, then that's kind of a miracle. <laughs> and Joe had two. <laughs> Yeah, so Andy is probably uh, lucky that this was the last round because I would have gone with Joe because that's the only well, thing know, I know. You know what, Joe <laughs> Joe is a worthy competitor, and even though I've only met him this past hour podcasting with him, I can tell he is a good man, so I'm glad that he was awarded these two points so it does not look like the actual beatdown that it was. <laughs> Just remember, AIDS kid fails to make a phone call was the buzzer beater. <laughs> So this whole battle basically boils down to a couple of rounds ago when uh, Andy decided to go with movies for the first two-point round. If those would have been flip-flopped, we might have had a different game. Well, no, not really. It still would have been four to three. <laughs> or he would have won sports and I would have won movies. <laughs> but In theory, I suppose, but, yes. but yeah, not really. <laughs> it's like Mark's, Same, audi but Mark's auditioning for like an ESPN uh, studio <laughs> show with that one. <laughs> All right. So there it is. It, like, uh, yeah, there was a little controversy in that. I could see where Joe's going. I've been there before multiple times. 
I know you're. It's all in good yeah, fun. Yeah, you're, man. you're it's mad good. deep inside. I know you are, but you're Canadian, so you don't get mad like I do. <laughs> I get even. I don't know. All these rules are so nebulous. Anyway, <laughs> who who could judge? Jenna Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I said I had John Cross as a judge. I know what the I know, I know what volatile judging looks like. <laughs> you did a great job today. <laughs> Thank you. I do have to say, and I hope he's listening. Like, yeah, you, you've said that my my own uh, podcast partner Eric has is uh, like turned down the opportunity to be a judge. I don't understand why. It seems like it would be right up his alley, as he would be able to troll everyone's selections. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm <laughs> gonna I'm gonna issue an implorance. Maybe maybe one day yeah. I can return. Me and him can both be the judge. You have to because now you have a win. Well, if you would have started right. out with a loss, we probably maybe I want to maybe back. I want to retire undefeated. <laughs> Go out one and oh. You're not allowed. One and done. <laughs> yeah, but that was like a Buster Douglas victory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't want to go out like Buster Douglas where I come back and get the my face beat in by Riddick Bow. <laughs> anyway, well, hey, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it. Uh hopefully at some point uh me and my mockers buddies will get some more mockers podcasts out there. So if anyone's out there listening, they can check that out at the normal podcast streams. But uh yeah. Really appreciate you guys allowing me to participate. Jenna, thanks for judging Joe. It was an honor and a privilege to battle you tonight on Dueling Decades. Pleasure, sir. Congratulations, sir. Thanks again for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you very much, Jenna, for coming on and being the judge. Andy, congratulations again for uh, pulling out of this victory. Joe, I, I don't know what the fuck happened, man. You, you <laughs> let your good. country down. St. <laughs> Catherine is crying tonight, my friend. This is, But this is what I tell you always bad news on my birthday so what's the difference <laughs> <laughs> all right jewelers well if you've missed an episode you can always head over to duelingdecades.com where you can subscribe to all of our past episodes on itunes and as well on Castbox. and make sure you head over to facebook.com forward slash dueling decades where you can join our private facebook group we got all kinds of trivia going on there jenna's like one of the top trivia geniuses over on slipping the website every day slipping every day though <laughs> i was like seven or eighth place for a while and those culmination trivias are just killing me and like <laughs> so close all the time too yeah but see none of them have come on to judge an episode of the show so and i gotta say as a listener like i have a lot more appreciation for the judges because this shit is hard <laughs> <laughs> it is you did a great job, Jenna. A great job. Yeah, thanks again. It was Absolutely. a great job. Yeah. Thanks Absolutely. for having Thank me. Thank you. All right, jewelers. Well, we're going to end this episode right here, and we're going to bid you a peace, love, light, and a joy. Have a grateful week, everyone. Infirmary Media.